Hey everybody, I just want to do a quick shout out before we get started with the show today. Marjorie Joy sent us $20 on PayPal, so thank you so much Marjorie. Uh, that's really going to help us and we really appreciate you digging deep at this time when it's really not easy to do so. If you would like your own shout out on the Messy Studio Podcast, please go to www.messystudiopodcast.com and click the yellow donate button in the upper right hand corner. You can set up a one-time donation or a recurring monthly donation for literally any amount. So that's www.messystudiopodcast.com and click the donate button. And thanks again to Marjorie Joy for her generous donation of $20. I also want to mention really quickly, I haven't mentioned it in one of these pre-rolls in a little while, but something that everyone can do for us uh, without spending any money is just to send the show to a friend. Um, every one of you knows someone who can benefit from this message, so just send them an episode of the show and let them know that you think that they'd enjoy it. You can also subscribe on your favorite podcatcher and leave us a five-star rating and a review. Uh, this helps the algorithms rank our podcast and uh, send it to people who they think might enjoy it as well. So thanks again to Marjorie and on with the show. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about the passion to create. Even under difficult circumstances, humans have always had a strong need to create, to make things that embody thought, emotion, spiritual, and cultural beliefs, or fill other needs in their lives. Those of us who work in fine arts media feel the urge even when there is no practical purpose for what we make. Our urge to create can range from occasional desire to passion and compulsion. It can ebb and flow, but there's always some little flame burning inside that can be ignited. Today we are going to honor and explore that little flame with thoughts and a few quotes from artists of the past. With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. I kind of love this idea of our creative urge as this kind of like a pilot light. You know, if you have a gas stove and there's this little light, a little flame, and um, you can turn up the gas and it can get much more, much bigger, <laughs> but it's always there. Um, and it can be accessed. And so um, sometimes it's, it is very low level and that's um, okay. You're sort of simmering along. Um, but I kind of, you know, I, I just like that idea that it is there. Uh, what what lit that in the first place, I would say, is a bit mysterious. I mean, is that urge something we're born with? Um, and, you know, some people, um, many people, have had this little flame on its very lowest setting for a long time. Um, they've led lives in which they had other jobs, um, and now later in life they're they're turning up that flame <laughs> uh, other people have been accessing it um for years and i i wanted to read a quote i'm, I'm going to do quite a bit of quoting in this podcast but um this one is about that that group of people and there are many people who listen to the podcast and many people i work with in workshops that have just recently turned up that flame and it's been it's been there all along um, and this is a, a from a book by um, an artist called Lee Hyams, and it's called Painting Holds Me on the Earth. 
Um, and she says, I've been teaching as an artist for many years. People often come to me when they've denied this need for 20 years, and now there's a hole inside themselves that they don't understand. They only know on some level that it's there. An unnameable part of their life experience is missing. Our North American culture, certainly our education, mostly squashes and doesn't respect or support the creative spirit or creative thinking. You have to do it for yourself. And I kind of like that that quote that just, to me, sums up well that kind of repressed <laughs> little flame uh, that is now ready to go. Um and I think also for, for older people who may be listening to this, um, and I'm in that group myself when I say older, but people that are retired or, you know, at that stage in their life when they have some more time, uh, there's also this kind of increasing urgency to to say something, you know, to, to leave, leave your mark, um, do something with your experience in life. Um, and I, it's, it's sort of easy to think that there's no spark, there's no flame there when, when you lose momentum or you're blocked. Um, and one of the things that happens is people think that your motivations, what what is your passion, what creates you to make art, sort of, I, I'm making little air quotes here, but you can't see them, should be this or that. Um, we should be expressing a certain thing, or we should be working in a certain style, or we should be pleasing so and so. And so those, all those um, ideas, and you know, we've done other podcasts where we say like, where do these things come from? You know, you have to question them. Um, but I thought today we'd look at some things that people have said about where they found that, or how they would talk about that urge to create, or where that comes from. And I'm going to start out just from my own perspective, because I, I asked myself, well, what what is it that makes me do this? I, I've been making art since I was a kid, really, with a lot of focus, a lot of energy behind it. It's waxed and waned a couple times. I mean, I had other jobs and things, but it was always there. And for me, I guess if I could pinpoint it, I would say it's how I process things. You know, it's, it's how I process my experiences. And it's always just been too much to keep inside. And, and early on, and, and for my whole life, a lot of these big feelings came from being in nature and being in the landscape. So those big feelings um, obviously translate into kind of the uh, basis of what I'm doing now that it does usually relate to something in the landscape and there's this kind of emotion behind it about this need to, I don't know, express something about complexity and, and beauty. Uh, and I would say as I've gotten older, uh, more mature as an artist, and there's been a much more of an intellectual level or much more conceptual stuff going on. But always, my whole life, whenever I saw something outside uh, in nature, I would think, um, what would I do with this if I didn't? how do i how do i use this i guess what do, what can i do with this if i wasn't an artist i don't know what i would do you know it just it just seems to have like i would just have to have this creative outlet so that's kind of a rambling way of of trying to say what these other people i'm going to quote from say a lot more succinctly but 
yeah, it's basically like this urge to communicate, I guess, and just express and connect and share and um, say, this is this is what I'm going through. Does anybody recognize it? You know, <laughs> um, everybody has their own individual and reason that they create or motivation for creating, and it's absolutely infinite. And I, w- I just wanted to say before we go into some of these other ideas that um, I have found uh, other artists expressing that thinking about this for yourself, um, what's true for you? What, what are your own passions? What are your own reasons? What are your ideas? Where do they come from? Um, being as aware of this as you can, it really is helpful in grounding you and knowing where you're going with your work. It's very basic, uh, but yet something we don't, a lot of people don't think about. And I've many times brought this up to students in workshops and people are a little perplexed. They're like, well, I don't know. I just paint, you know, I, I need, I want, I need to paint. And I'm just saying maybe dig a little bit deeper. Um, what, uh, a little more consciously, I guess, and not not to justify it or defend it or anything, but just say, "Hey, this is this is a part of me. This is something I honor and I appreciate." Um, and so, some of these things that might be um, that kind of core uh, motivation or passion might be things like maybe you want to tell stories. There's a lot of art out there that's quite narrative, and it can be autobiographical. Uh, maybe you want to. Maybe you have a strong urge to tell your life story in some way, whether that's through recognizable imagery or not. Um, other people they want to they, they want to pare things down. They want their work to become very minimal because that's a way that they feel grounded, or they feel that this is um, simplicity is the way that they want to connect with the world. Um, other people might kind of celebrate the chaos and the diversity and the wildness of life. And some people are more, you know, they just, they're very interested in something like color and and that's what's motivating them. That's a more a pure abstract idea. Uh, and, and some people really just, they lose themselves in the process. Like it's all about just the feel of, you know, the clay in your hands or the, the, the feel of the, the paint going down or the colors blending. And so it's very, uh, you know, tactile and sensual um, and process oriented. And maybe it's very intellectual. I mean, these things are just infinite, but, um, and then a lot of people, there's a combination. I mean, it's not that you have to pick one, but I'm just saying sort of contemplate uh, where does this stuff come from in you? And, and it also connects you to this bigger picture and some of these other ideas that um, I'm going to talk about here that other people have said. Um, so I have a book called The Artist's Voice by Catherine Koo. That's K-U-H. It's an older book I got um, at a used bookstore, and it was first published in 1960. And I really like this book because it's... it's um, they call that like it's right from the source. These are interviews with artists that were prominent in the day, in the 60s, and they're being interviewed about uh, their work. And they're very um, kind of revealing and personal interviews. 
and most of these are most of these quotes were taken from that book, um, but others I I found online, and I'm going to talk about this kind of grouped by people's motivation, I suppose, or their passion. And I wanted to talk about Paul Cezanne first, um, who was actually a very emotional painter, <laughs> um, which is, I found interesting because I think of him as more, there's, there's more technical stuff about his work. He was very innovative in the way that he used form and color um, and broke things up in certain ways. And and when I look at his work, I'm not always necessarily sensing this emotional passion, but he infused everything in his own mind, at least, with um, a lot of feeling. And he, his quote is, a work of art which did not begin in emotion is not art. So that was very basic for him. Um, and it seemed to extend to just about everything. I mean, he, he chose many different subjects, but he would always choose them, I think, because he felt something or he felt he could infuse them with feeling. Um, so another way to that people are passionate is actually, it may seem a contradiction, but in an intellectual way. It's not an emotional, but it's more um, analytic, um, more thoughtful, more conceptual. And, you know, it's good to recognize if this is you, because this is definitely something that you can fuel and you can nurture if you have that intellectual bent. And, and again, I was kind of interested in the artist that jumped out of this book at me about being quite intellectual about his work was Edward Hopper. Um, and many of you know his work. Um, it tends to be individual figures in a sort of a empty room or um some setting that seems kind of lonely. And he also painted a lot of buildings, but there's never a sense of like a lot of people around or, or life. They're very solitary looking kind of very quiet. And so people attribute emotion to these. And I've seen a bunch of these posted recently with, um, people being isolated because of the pandemic and saying, you know, Edward Hopper is kind of summing up the feeling of this, you know, being alone in a room. Okay, so, but what he said about his work was that, well, he said he's a realist, and that's pretty obvious, um, but he's just sort of analytically reacting to natural phenomenon, in particularly light, and um, he wasn't especially interested in color, even though that's, they're often beautiful works. And he said he was not aiming at symbolism or social commentary, even though, you know, people read that in there. So I think it's quite interesting sometimes what artists say about their work and the way other people see it, um, quite different. And and it's not to say we, we as artists don't have our blind spots and pref prefer to think we're working in a certain way, but maybe that's not always <laughs> exactly right, because we have unconscious passions as well and urges. Um, another thing that some of these artists brought up was uh, just really loving the process, you know, explore, exploration of process. Painting as an experience, and I, these are all painters, but um, uh, actually I have a sculptor in here too, but um, the, the act of making art as an experience um, in and of itself. So painting to create 
its own reality and painting for its own purpose, not to portray anything, not to, um, uh, you know, depict anything. And one of the artists that was quoted in the book is uh, Franz Klein. And if you know his work, is very, very is abstract expressionist work, very big, bold brushstrokes, uh, black and white. And he's, he really was painting for his own sake to create his own reality. He sometimes used objects as kind of springboards, but he wasn't concerned with depicting them. Um, he might observe structure in a bridge or something and have that in the back of his mind, but he wasn't trying to paint a bridge. So um, just a lot of the abstract expressionists, this was their passion was the process. Um, Helen Frankenthaler, um, she has a, a comment about, um, I, she doesn't use the word, but it's kind of what we call happy accidents. You know, those little things that happen when you're painting and, and they can seem really wonderful and you hate to paint over them and all that stuff. Um, and it's sort of a discipline as an artist to you know, recognize uh, when to get rid of those. And she said, there are many accidents that, oh, I'm sorry, there are many that happen that are nothing but accidents and forget it. <laughs> but there are others that are brought about only because you are the person you are. You have the wherewithal, the intelligence, and the energy to recognize it and do something with it. And I kind of love that um, description of the involvement of process, because at least if if your process is one that produces these these moments in your work where you're like that color is just gorgeous, or that combination, or that texture, um, having having the intelligence to say. It, it works in this painting or it doesn't work in this painting and do can I can I work with it or do I need to let it go and this you know it really does take a lot of decision making um, there were quite a few artists and there always been a lot of artists that their passion their motivation comes from um, something in there I, I guess I want to say the word soul or they're kind of spiritually motivated they're philosophically motivated um and you know again i don't want to put people in strict categories because all of us have different little bits of all these things i think but there i i focused on a few artists that um seemed to, that seemed to be pretty important to them and one of them is mark toby um he's not as well known um as an artist but I've always really liked his work and it's kind of an all over a lot. Some of it, it's a kind of this all over patterning vibrating, almost little lines. Um, and I, I like the quote that um, I pulled out for him was that painting gives him a heightened sense of living. <laughs> it's, I think that is sums up a lot. Um, it's, it, says that we as artists we're paying a lot of attention to our lives you know we're not leading lives in which we're kind of have our blinders on we're we're really um sensitive usually to a lot of different things and so to take what we perceive and put it into our work it's all tied in it's all um connected and he he was 
he thought it was important to see beyond the surface of things. And um, he didn't like paintings that he felt were superficial in which it was just sort of a gesture or um, something that, you know, you sort of take it in and you're done with it. And he was a spiritual person. He was of the Baha'i faith, um, which you may know or may not know about. It's not a, a, a mainstream faith, but um, it's one in which, um, I guess, the unity of, of life, that the oneness of all people is stressed. And so when I look at his work, I just see those connections, those um, intertwining lines and things. And you just sense that in his work. Um, this, uh, I wanted to say something about Isamu Noguchi, who was a sculptor. Um, and he uh, emphasized the immediate value of the moment. Uh, it's not about what we're striving for, but where we are right now, being present, being present with the work, um, being present in life. And I mean, that ideas that kind of represent a particular philosophical or spiritual point of view. And I, I think that's a very good way to approach art. You know, we, we're always thinking we should be better, but saying, okay, you are where you are right now. And this is, this is good. Um, oh, George O'Keefe said, um, I found with painting, I could express things with color and shapes. I could not say any other way. So there's this idea of expressing the the inexpressible in words, the ineffable, the thing that's just out of reach that is underlying the passion for a lot of us, I think. Um, this kind of urging or an, an urge to encompass something bigger uh, than we can talk about in, in the work. and. The last one I, I want to mention specifically is Piet Mondrian, who really regarded art as spiritual expression. And he he regarded um, himself or any artist as basically a channel, um, that there was a greater force that was coming through him to create his work. He was a, uh, a theosophist um, involved in the spiritual practice of theosophy, which was happening right around the turn of the 19th century. And that particular movement had a lot of belief in the power of art as a spiritual language. And so that's all wound up in his work. And I, I, he's interesting because if you know his work and we'll put some, I'll put some uh, images of these painters up when we broadcast the podcast in case you're not familiar, but you know, his work ended up being quite minimalist and just sort of bright squares of color. Um, and to me, it's always kind of fascinating to see what what's behind this stuff. You know, what what led him to this kind of geometric abstraction? And it turns out he's very involved in spiritual practice. And, you know, again, like I said earlier, there is no, people are never in one little category with this. There's a lot of different you know, it's like a big soup. We have all these passions, we have all these interests, we have all these points of view, and they get combined in different ways. Um, and that Noguchi, who I just quoted, said, um, even though some of his work is quite minimalist, um, 
He said, a purely cold abstraction does not interest me much. Art has to have some humanly touching and memorable quality. It has to recall something that moves a person. Um, and I guess that kind of gets down to what what moves you. And I, I wanted to talk about this topic. Uh, it ties in with other things that we've talked about in terms of artist block or times when you can't quite see your way forward. And I always, we have always talked in this podcast about this kind of introspection of why you do what you do, your intentions, where, where, what's important to you, what does move you. And when these times come along and you're, you're blocked, it, it never hurts to just you know, read some stuff, read some things that other artists have said, contemplate, journal, and not try to push it, but just relax a little and try to connect with these things that are really at our core. You know, I'd like to add that I think that this urge to create is really primal in nature. Um, and I think it's it's something that might be almost unique to the human species, and I think it's it's really responsible for our success as a species. And it's so important to the human psyche to create. I think everyone has it in, in various levels, and it's been somewhat repressed in our culture in modern times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it's so important to the human psyche that if we don't do it, um, we will go insane and die. <laughs> and... I think that it I and I and I really mean that and I think yeah. it's something that like I say it's something that that built civilization. Yeah. Uh, and- on some level every technological innovation um you know everything that we are as a species comes from this creative drive and it all started with a primordial human smearing chalk onto a cave wall mm-hmm. you know and and creating fire and um cr- starting to uh create gardens. Yeah. You know, and and these are all things that that were that built civilization and uh, on the most basic level everything that comes uh that we every everything that we have created since then comes from this creative drive. And we all feed it in different ways. Some of us need to write, some of us need to paint. Um some of us need to uh go out and build empires and civilizations, but it's something that is in all of us. And, and if you don't feed that desire, um, you will lose your mind. And I, I think that that it's especially important, uh, during times of crisis to, uh, to, to pay some attention to that creative energy and to, to use it. Right. I, I'm really glad you brought that up because obviously, you know, what I was researching or thinking about was, you know, fine art. Um, but, creativity is huge and everybody does have it and you know it's um not specific to the to the arts at all you create when you cook you create when you do anything um and it's no matter what no matter what way that you create there is a passion that motivates that and that that is the mystery somehow that is the mystery of us human beings that we have this fire, you know, <laughs> to do right, something. Right. And, um, and we do, we do need to, to uh, let that burn. And, and especially um, when we are in a situation that's difficult, 
So if it if it's hard to do the normal creative work because things are tough in one way or another, um, know that there are a lot of other creative outlets that are they will do they will help you in your psyche the same way. So right, that's a good point. Yeah. And what's uh, what's going to happen with the current crisis that we're dealing with? If you're listening to this episode in the future, we're in the middle of the COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, and what's what's going to save us is creativity. You know, is people going out there and creating and doing creating solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to whatever uh, obstacles we find, and and it's the same thing that we've always done as a species. We we face some kind of crisis. And we create our way out of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's gonna, it's going to be necessary for people to write about it, to, to paint about it. Um, and, you know, you start to see these little uh, innovative solutions popping up everywhere um, in terms of, of the struggles that people are dealing with. Yeah, yeah, you see that already for sure, and it will continue, and it will get us out of this. Well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? <laughs> well, it's obviously a huge topic. It just got a lot huger in the last few minutes, but <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, in terms of just, I mean, we touched the surface, and I I did choose the the artist because of focusing on that for this particular audience, but um. You know, I think it's really good to look at what other artists have said, other creative people said for inspiration and and to help us think about our, our own reasons. Um, and I also think, you know, this is not easy stuff. It can take a lifetime to understand or even start to understand why we do what we do. <laughs> and it's, um, it's kind of... Um, you can take any thread and start following it and say, well, why do I even, why did I, why am I an oil painter? Why did I choose painting or, you know, whatever you do, it's quite interesting. Um, and, but any, all of that insight is it helps with your own progress as an artist and can also help you when you're stuck or when there's some kind of um, barrier. And I mentioned early on this thing about, you know, not to worry about what you what you should or should not be approaching, what attitude you should have approaching this, because, you know, I just gave you a bunch of examples of people that, you know, they're speaking what is true for them, and that's what you need to do. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. For more from The Messy Studio, please check out www.messystudiopodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. For more from Rebecca Kroll, please check out www.rebeccacroll.com and www.squeegeepress.com and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. The Messy Studio podcast is a core publication management production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody. 